0: Thanks for joining us. A shocking murder in downtown Vancouver last night had all the hallmarks of a gang hit. A man gunned down on a popular waterfront street in Coal Harbor with dozens of potential innocent victims who could have been caught in the crossfire. Grace Key has
1: our top story. Vancouver police say this was a targeted hit just a few feet away from the body a gun was spotted on the ground with what appears to be a silencer police were seen collecting evidence including two cell phones found on the street a man was also heard screaming for several minutes as police held him back <laughs> The shooting happened right in front of Cordero's restaurant in Cole Harbour on a very busy Saturday at about 8:30 in the evening. Police tape stretched a couple of blocks away, with officers also focusing on this area where blood could be seen on the street. An innocent person could have gotten hurt, and of course, that's always very
2: concerning for us. Uh, it, it shows, ultimately, it shows reckless behavior uh, among the people that were involved.
1: By the next morning, several streets were still cordoned off. People back out for a stroll, described Saturday night scene.
3: Something was going on right here. It looked like everyone was going against the cafe or something. And there was probably 10 or 15 police cars.
4: All of a sudden you could hear like 20 sirens coming to this area. And then you just heard
1: screaming and that was all. Chalk marks on the ground also point to a trail of blood leading to a condominium building near the shooting. One neighbor describes what he was told yeah. about so, that incident. Yeah,
5: apparently one guy was apprehended that was I guess had been shot or bleeding uh, that was taken away in an ambulance right in front of the building.
1: Police say that incident happened at the corner of West Hastings and Broughton Street at eight. 45 p.m., 15 minutes after the shooting and just a couple of blocks away. One person in that incident is in hospital in critical condition.
2: We had uh, another incident close by that was a stabbing. Um, to say that they're connected
1: right now, we we aren't saying that they're connected because we don't know if they're connected. No arrests have been made. This is Vancouver's fifth homicide of the year. Grace Key, Global News
0: vancouver police say they were too busy dealing with the coal harbor homicide and other calls to respond when an impromptu beach party broke out in the west end last night it was just the latest outdoor gathering this weekend that's raised concern about covid super spreader events but as imadi gahi reports there are fears any crackdowns will just drive partiers indoors
6: another night another beach party in vancouver yeah
7: it's awful I don't know why they're not thinking ahead, (laughs) you know, of, of their future and their family's future. It's a little bit frustrating. We're at the height of the pandemic. It's as bad as it's ever been.
6: What this weekend may have proved is there are plenty of people who can enjoy the outdoors safely in small groups. But as the sun and the drinks go down, sometimes physical distancing becomes an afterthought, making way for a desire to blow off COVID steam.
8: I think, uh, like
9: most British Columbians, when I saw those clips, it, uh, it made me extremely angry and it's extremely frustrating uh, to think that there are people out there who still don't get
6: it. The video captured by a Global News camera is from late Saturday night, an impromptu dance party at English Bay that, from every angle, clearly shows people breaking the outdoor gathering limit of 10 people. And that is not the only example of reckless behavior.
1: This is why we're f-
6: the night before, a similar event frustrated some living near Kitsilano Beach.
10: This crazy party just started happening and I sat there for a bit and we we just like very angry, we got angry like instantly.
6: Enforcement and shutting situations like this down can be difficult and there are fears by some breaking up these beach parties could drive them underground. And there is a possibility that if we have very strict um restrictions on on outdoor gatherings, that that people will congregate more indoors where we know that that transmission is actually much worse. In a tweet Sunday, Vancouver Mayor Kennedy Stewart said he'd contacted the city's police chief, adding after a busy weekend, the VPD will be reassessing their approach to outdoor parties.
2: Our chief and the mayor, we, they are in, in discussion on moving forward and how we can um, make these types of calls more of a priority.
6: Video from English Bay Saturday night also appears to show a police officer eventually taking matters into their own hand, dragging away the speaker. <laughs> Much to the chagrin of the dance party. Emma Gahi, Global News.
0: Now, most of those people will not have been vaccinated, but younger adults can now begin to think about getting their COVID-19 vaccination. The province announced today that those 18 and older can begin registering by the end of the week. More than 1.8 million British Columbians will be invited to register this week. Starting tomorrow, registration opens for those 40 and older. On Tuesday, those over the age of 35 will be invited. On Wednesday, it's for those 30 and up. On Thursday, age 25 plus, And on Friday, anyone over the age of 18 can register. Now keep in mind, this is only to register. You'll need to be notified when you can actually book an appointment. And as we wait for more vaccines to be shipped into Canada, attention is also turning to other questions around the rollout. How many of us will choose to get the shot? Which province will have the highest rates of inoculation? And which age group is most vaccine hesitant? Paul Johnson has the answers to some of those important questions in a new national survey.
7: The results really surprised me.
9: The good news for public health leaders is that nearly half of the Canadians questioned in Steve Mossop's poll have either received the vaccine or say they're 100% certain that they're going to get it. But there were some surprises about the thinking of the other 50%.
7: I think the biggest concern coming out of the poll is that you've got a percentage of people who are leaning towards not getting vaccinated. That's a lot higher than what we need when we hear from the experts.
9: For example, 15% said they will not or are unlikely to get vaccinated. And they're among the 25% of those polled who don't think the vaccines are effective anyway. 18% said they didn't think COVID is a serious disease. For much of the pandemic, many Canadians could justifiably feel that our collective response was more rational and science-based than our neighbors to the South. This new poll might throw some cold water on that notion. Like the U.S., younger Canadians are much more likely to fall into the vaccine-hesitant category.
7: If you look at British Columbia, we're the most willing of all the provinces to get the vaccine.
9: B.C. got high marks for leading all provinces in willingness to get the shot. And then there was this factoid, no doubt going to fire up the political people.
7: Interestingly, now federal conservative voters are three times as likely as, uh, as liberal voters or NDP voters to be on the vaccine hesitancy side.
9: Paul Johnson, Global News.
0: A small local chain of pharmacies put out the call this weekend to anyone over the age of 55 to get the AstraZeneca vaccine after they realized they had extra doses. Tina Swinton had her vaccine booking on Thursday cancelled, so she jumped at the chance to take advantage of getting a shot at Pure Pharmacy. The chain is posting to its website when any last-minute vaccine availabilities come up.
1: How was that? You know what? Way easier than expected. Yeah, really short, so happy as hell.
9: You've done your civic duty. You've protected yourself and
1: others. I have, and uh, I'll be back in four months for my second one.
7: It's not bad.
3: It's been groundbreaking. Yeah, within
5: uh, an hour and a half, we've been fully booked, uh, and the foot traffic continues to carry over, so we're happy that nothing got wasted here.
0: Keith Baldry joins us now. Keith, tomorrow's health briefing will be officially, they will officially announce how much longer the circuit breaker measures could Mm -hmm. be in place.
3: Yeah, lots happening tomorrow on the menu uh, Colleen for first of all just back to AstraZeneca it's just been announced that Ontario now is going to offer AstraZeneca to adults age 40 and over and the federal government is now saying all adults if provinces want to do that uh, you can mush, move the, the minimum age down to 18 so we'll see again how dr. He- dr. Urbani Henry and health Minister Asian Dix react to that tomorrow there is an expectation we will go to lower ages for using AstraZeneca mm-hmm. now that it's been given a green light uh, the public health order which bans door uh, uh, dining is to expire tomorrow night. We expect that to be extended. The restaurant industry has been telling us they've been their interpretation of conversations with Dr. Henry has the order being extended past the May long weekend. That has not been confirmed yet. Also, we're going to get a detailed update on the hospitalization and surgery uh, situation from Health Minister Adrian Dix as we're now at record levels of people in hospital and ICUs and we've already sort of moved some surgeries around. We expect more surgeries to be affected by that as well. So again, uh, very busy day tomorrow and one more thing keep in mind the briefing itself Colleen might be moved up earlier there I know it's under consideration at at 2 p.m. now instead of 3 but that hasn't been confirmed yet either way but well I tell you the information keeps flowing here and there's a lot of expectations on the numbers tomorrow there's probably going to be three well it's going to be three days reporting and the numbers are going to be high
0: well and we don't want to end up in the same situation that Ontario is in right now but let's get back to the AstraZeneca shot you're getting yours on Tuesday.
3: Yes, so I'm in the Pfizer queue, but uh, my age group would have to wait till early May or mid-May to get that Pfizer or Moderna. So I opted along with my wife. We're going to get the AstraZeneca. Again, take the vaccine that's in front of you at the earliest opportunity. AstraZeneca is safe. John Horgan got it on Friday. Um, my wife got it uh, yesterday. I'm going to get it on Tuesday.
0: Eight times greater risk of getting a blood clot from actually getting COVID than from the AstraZeneca shot. Yeah. Keith, thank you. A UBC student from Ontario is urging people to stop making assumptions when they see out-of-province license plates after her vehicle was keyed at a North Shore ski hill. Bryn Weigelt detailed the vandalism in her Facebook post. Her Jeep was parked in Lot C at Grouse Mountain for six hours on Friday afternoon. When she returned, someone had keyed it in several places and left a note that reads, go home and stay home. Weigelt says she, lived in, she has lived in Vancouver for two years and is a full-time student, not a super-spreading traveler. A Vancouver resident is raising questions about how people who don't speak English or read Chinese are expected to report hate crimes. Stephen No was stopped at a traffic light this week at Fraser and 41st when two people in a car next to his shouted a racist slur and threw garbage at him. He's a lawyer and wanted to report the attack. First, he phoned police, but after 30 minutes on hold, he gave up and instead went online. What he found on the VPD website surprised
6: him. There's only forms in two languages. Actually, one language, simplified Chinese and traditional Chinese. Like, I'm part Chinese. I could speak, but whether I can read or write, it's a different story. And I'm stunned. Does the police think that all Asians are Chinese?
2: I understand this raises a lot of discussion. Well, what if you're a different ethnicity and you want to report a crime? We get that. This is like an evolving thing. But uh, last year and into this year, it was mainly on or it was Majority of those are with East Asian descent, so we had to cater to to those those people. Vancouver Police saw a spike in hate crimes last year.
0: They are open to creating forms in other languages if the need arises. Council members from the town of Ladysmith and the Stuminas uh, First Nation are showing solidarity in their stand against racism and hate. They gathered Saturday to hang red dresses near the Trans Canada Highway to honor mothers, daughters, sisters, aunts and friends to ensure missing and murdered indigenous women across Canada are not forgotten. The community effort to maintain the red dress project comes after two men were recently filmed removing red dresses from trees near Ladysmith. A youth is in custody after three teens were stabbed at an outdoor party in Comox last night. RCMP say the suspect was quickly arrested. The three young victims were seriously injured but are now in stable condition and expected to recover. Completion of a major hospital expansion in Quenelle has been delayed by a year. Part of the reason? The discovery of human remains on the construction site. Workers found the remains as they excavated at the G.R. Baker Hospital in Quesnel. They were sent for study and found to be archaeological, likely a First Nations burial. The bones have since been removed and reburied on hospital grounds. The addition will triple the size of the emergency room and intensive care. Completion is expected in 2022. Well, last night, we showed you dash cam video sent to us by a trucker who witnessed an unsafe pass on Highway 5 near Barrier. Tonight, the company that employs the driver called out on their behavior, called out that behavior, uh, called out on their behavior rather, and they are offering his perspective on the matter. Gulsar Transport says in a statement that their transport driver was attempting to make a legal pass on a dotted line without breaking the speed limit. It also says the driver believed he could safely complete the maneuver in a safe manner gulzar adds the company takes safety seriously and will be implementing disciplinary action and remedial training to ensure this type of incident does not occur again up next a vigil, vigil tonight for a woman who seemingly just vanished three months ago plus 150 people are forced from their apartment complex due to a mysterious and noxious odor and possible charges after a group is said to have harassed eagles with a drone. Those stories next. It has been exactly three months since a Port Moody woman just vanished, seemingly without a trace. Ahead of a candlelight vigil that will be live streamed tonight, family and friends of Trina Hunt gathered safely in small groups to continue their search today. And as Kristen Robinson reports, police remain tight lipped about their investigation.
6: It's
4: a somber day, I would say, but for us it's very therapeutic to be out here.
10: Where is Trina Hunt? It's a question her loved ones want answered as they continue the quest for clues. We're looking for things that are out of place. We're looking for belongings. We're just frustrated that we don't know.
0: We don't know anything.
10: Three months later Hunt's family and friends seeking strength in strangers helping with COVID-safe searches near Bunsen Lake and Crystal
4: Falls in Coquitlam. It's a really hard reality to be facing that we have no answers on this day.
10: The 48-year-old was reported missing January 18th. Hunt's husband, the last to see her in the early morning hours at their home in Port Moody's Heritage Mountain area. When he returned from work, the house was empty. A massive air and ground search called off after three days
2: we're just frustrated we don't have answers
10: three months after hunt's disappearance port moody police not answering questions including whether the massive amount of surveillance video they've recovered shows hunt leaving her residence on her own on or before january 18th the department offering a statement only the investigation is still very active and the assigned investigators efforts are ongoing we continue to appeal to the public for any information regarding Trina Hunt's whereabouts or the circumstances surrounding her disappearance.
4: It's hard, it's frustrating, it's challenging, but you know, we respect that they're professionals and they're doing what they can to find Trina.
10: Her wedding
7: ring.
4: Hunt
10: is believed to be wearing a black North Face jacket with a teal green collar and pink and purple Cloud Flyer shoes. Knowing where she isn't is is an answer for us although the ultimate goal is to find her. We need to do
0: everything we can do. We're going and we're not going to stop. Kristen Robinson, Global News. The B.C. Conservation Officer Service is looking for witnesses after reports of bald eagles in Kelowna being harassed by a group of kids with a drone. At around 7 o'clock Friday night, someone reported seeing a group of six or seven young people chasing a pair of eagles with a drone in the Herbert Heights area of Knox Mountain Park. It's an uh, offense under the BC Wildlife Act to hurt or harass wildlife with a motor vehicle, aircraft, boat or other mechanical device. That includes drones. Anyone with information about the incident or any other violation is asked to call the RAP line. 150 people who normally live in a West Kelowna apartment complex are homeless tonight and they don't know when they'll be able to go home they were forced to leave when a mysterious and noxious odor was detected in a building well, shelby tom has more on the hazmat emergency response
4: 150 people are jolted awake at 4am to the sound of blaring fire alarms at this west kelowna apartment complex on sunday morning
9: firefighters came in banged on the door
4: First responders pull the alarm to quickly evacuate the six story, 60 unit building after a resident calls 911 reporting a mysterious odor.
7: Not so much a smell as it's just, um, you know, brings about a tickle in their throat. And and there is, like, it's described as chemical in nature. Everybody's remained pretty calm, so it's more just an inconvenience at four in the morning
4: emergency support services mobilized to open an evacuation center at the Royal Page place arena while Cola's hazmat team works to determine the odor source
7: we've checked all the suites on the affected floors and there, there's been no source determined although our uh, chemical and gas indicators have you know shown us that there is something present but it's just not in enough quantity that we can be sure of what it is
4: the building is ventilated and the odor dissipated but not for long levels build up again and evacuation are told it could be a long day. You rush out, you're not thinking that it's going to be for this long a period of time.
7: When it's your only place to live and you're kicked out of your place at 4 o'clock in the morning, that's a a tough position to be in. We realize this is a major inconvenience for people. However, we won't allow anyone home until it's safe to do so. The
4: evacuation efforts complicated by the COVID-19 pandemic.
7: COVID-19 has brought on uh, an entirely different dynamic for us here um, in terms of moving you know this number of people uh, out of their apartment, trying to convince them to stay apart and follow the COVID guidelines. It's made this operation very complex.
4: Fire officials say the building has been deemed unsafe to occupy. Occupy and evacuees will be put up in hotels overnight. The property has been turned over to the owner, Ironclad Developments, to hire professionals to get to the bottom of this mystery. Shelby Tom, Global News. Coming up next, Nova Scotia marks the first anniversary
0: of the country's worst mass shooting. Plus, what the federal government is now committing to do to help COVID-stricken Ontario... And why a consumer warning has been issued about a popular Peloton product as the news hour continues. A memorial service in Nova Scotia marked one year since a deadly mass shooting began.
7: April 18th and 19th will never be the same for us again. They'll never
5: be just other days on our calendar.
0: The event in Truro was closed to the public due to COVID-19 but streamed online and on TV. Organizers calling the service an opportunity to continue healing and to remember 22 people were killed by a lone gunman. Many victims' families have been critical of the RCMP's response to one of the worst mass killings in Canadian history. Ontario's pandemic situation is dire. The province is consistently reporting more than 4,000 new COVID cases every day. And there are a record 2,100 people in hospital. The province is now administering the AstraZeneca vaccine to anyone over the age of 40. And late this afternoon, the federal government announced it's sending health care workers and equipment to help Ontario.
9: We are mobilizing federal health care workers from across government departments to deploy to the front lines in Ontario, and specifically the GTA, where the situation is most critical.
0: That help comes mainly in the form of nurses who now work at National Defence and Immigration Canada. Some will assist with rapid testing, while others will go straight to hospitals. The cost to be picked up by the federal government. This comes on the heels of Premier Doug Ford's request for help. Newfoundland and Labrador, PEI, Nova Scotia and New Brunswick, as well as Yukon and the Northwest Territories have offered assistance. The other provinces have declined. While people here were partying it up in the West End last night, this was the scene in Southern California. The Santa Monica Pier was packed Saturday afternoon, but there are some differences between here and there. Half of American adults 18 and up have had at least one dose of the COVID-19 vaccine. The CDC announced the milestone today. Almost 84 million adults, about one third of the population, have been fully vaccinated. While that's still a long way from herd immunity, in Canada, only 23% of the population has received at least one dose the u.s consumers product safety commission is warning anyone with children and pets to immediately stop using peloton's tread plus treadmill the statement comes after a child died and others were injured the cpsc posted video on its youtube page showing a child being pulled under the exercise equipment the safety regulator says children and at least one pet have been pulled pinned and trapped under the rear roller leading to fractures scrapes and one death but the company calls the warning inaccurate and misleading, adding there is no reason to stop using the Tread Plus as long as all of the safety instructions are followed. Coming up next, not part of the show, the Florida Air Show Fly Pass that didn't quite go as planned as the news hour continues. NASA is holding its breath tonight on the eve of an historic helicopter flight, the first ever on Mars. Engineers are hoping it will be a a Wright Brothers moment for the future of interplanetary air travel.
4: NASA's gearing up for another first for the red planet, a history-making powered flight on Mars. I am just on the edge of my seat. It is the first time we will ever have demonstrated controlled, powered flight on any other body, anywhere other than Earth. Known as Ingenuity, it's 19 inches tall, weighing in at just under four pounds, powered by solar panels, scheduled to lift off early tomorrow morning. You see it here, testing out its blades. Its very first flight, the helicopter is expected to take off only a few feet from the ground, hover in the air for 20 to 30 seconds, then land it's actually really hard to fly on Mars. There's just not very much atmosphere. It's only about one percent of the atmosphere that we have on Earth. We actually have to send the commands. It has to do everything all on its own. Ingenuity arrived on Mars attached to the belly of NASA's perseverance, but the $85 million project operates independently. If We can prove that we can do it. It opens the landscape for um, all kinds of new ways to explore other parts of the solar system.
10: So what are the odds do you think this is going to be a success tomorrow?
4: I think it's going to be almost 100% that it's going to be <laughs> successful. High hopes that by tomorrow morning, Ingenuity will soon be known as the little helicopter that could. Aaron McLaughlin, NBC News, Los Angeles. Meanwhile, here on Earth, a bizarre sight for beachgoers
0: in Florida that had them pulling out their cell phones. We'll have that for you right after Yvonne's forecast. And Yvonne, it was kind of a beach weather day keeping it safe, yes. but yeah, gorgeous day today.
11: Absolutely, feeling summer-like out there. Uh, We continue to see the sunshine over the next few days, and then it's in the long range that we are looking at a change on the way, and I'll have the timeline in just a moment. Gorgeous shot, this is what it looks like overlooking English Bay. We've got temperatures sitting at 17 degrees, southwesterly wind currently at 11 kilometers per hour. The temperatures today, so out of the airport, uh, we got up to 18 degrees, but it was away from the water. 23 for areas near Coquitlam, pit meadows up to 24 degrees, areas near Cultus Lake up to 26 degrees and all areas across the province uh, basking in some sunshine and dry conditions even stretching in towards the southeastern corners along the island today inland Port Alberni topping out at 27 degrees. Ridge of high pressure that's been the feature that we've been following and it'll continue to strengthen across the province so all areas sunshine in store for early next week but then the change on the way when we look at the upper level chart it'll be Wednesday and Thursday that we've got an increase in cloud cover the potentials there across the south coast on our friday but we could see the return for some showers and temperatures will start to cool off leading in towards the end of the week a reminder with the warm temperatures we do have a flood warning that's for the red spot uh, the nasco river just above michelle creek and the high stream flow advisory the middle Fraser is included within that and for the high stream flow r- advisory river levels are or are expected to rise rapidly but no major flooding is expected and the flood warning red levels, river levels have or exceed the bank full so a up for that, and we are continue to watch that as we get in towards next week temperatures in the long range, that's we'll start to see the dip with the change on the way for Thursday Friday on our temperature trend. Now for the northern half of the province, sunshine across the board, highs along the water will be up to 14 degrees inland across the central interior for tomorrow with the sunshine up to 12. Most areas for the southern interior are still quite breezy especially as we get in towards this evening and leading in towards the morning hours and along the south coast, the winds are going to pick up it'll be windy overnight and for a Monday morning, but the temperatures are going to climb up once again, especially away from the water long-range forecast seven day I was going to say five day because we typically say show us the five but seven day just to show us uh, when we're going to start to track that change on the way but a great start to the work week and then it'll be Thursday Friday that we will keep a close eye we could see some cooler temperatures in the return for some wet weather
0: well, we really can't complain can we no. all right thanks Yvonne it's not what beachgoers in Florida were expecting to see on a sunny Saturday afternoon have a look at this A restored World War II era dive bomber made an emergency landing at Cocoa Beach in Florida. The pilot of the TBM Avenger was performing at the Cocoa Beach Air Show when the engine cut out, forcing him to bring the aircraft down. As you can see, the pilot was able to land in the ocean close to the shore. Rescue personnel responded immediately and reported the pilot, the only person on board, was doing just fine.
11: Wow. Close nice call. There were some people in the water there too. So luckily, <laughs>
5: yeah, that's right. No. It was <laughs> an experienced pilot.
11: Uh, likely a very experienced mm-hmm. pilot. Yeah. What do you've got? What
0: have you got coming up, Barry?
5: Well, uh, the Canucks three and a half weeks between games. They finally returned tonight against the Leafs, and uh, why not work a little overtime? They've been off for so long. They give the Canucks credit. They battled very hard. They were down two nothing. It's now two two. They're just starting overtime. So it could be over by the time I'm back up. And we'll have the story of uh, Rich Goulet, an iconic high school basketball coach who uh, passed away a few weeks ago. His former players are trying to get the gym in Pitt Meadows named after him, but uh, it's not as easy as you would think. That
0: story mm. coming up. All right, looking forward to it. Coming up next for the first time in two years. Tomorrow, we'll find out how the federal government plans to spend even more of your money. A preview of where it's likely to go next. It's being dubbed a transformational budget. Tomorrow, the federal government tables its first accounting of Canada's economy in two years. Michael Couture has more.
8: If you are hoping for a signal for one major policy plank the Liberal government could announce, look no further than last week's Liberal Convention, where Finance Minister Chrystia Freeland hinted that COVID-19 is providing an opportunity of sorts. Maybe an epiphany
10: as you put it, on the importance of early learning and child care. Hi, Aaron.
8: A national child care plan has been a priority of the Liberals for years, but there are strong indications that will be coming in this budget. It would likely follow the Quebec model, but would also require negotiations with other provinces. This also could be an opportunity to refocus spending on green technology as the Liberals move towards their target of zero emissions for the year 2050. We can expect this budget to forecast spending of $70 to $100 billion over the next three years. Child care could be key in that as Freeland and economists have spoken about the importance of a she-covery. Recent studies suggest women have been more negatively affected by the economic slowdown caused by the pandemic shutdowns. And this government wants to ensure women are able to get back into the workforce. Many people will also be looking at the ever-rising deficit. The Parliamentary Budget Officer forecast last month the government will post a $363 billion deficit for the last fiscal year. Economists say once you get beyond the sticker shock, you need to make sure the spending helps put Canada's economy In a better position for the future.
5: Leaving behind an economy that's more productive that's greener that's more prosperous is the
8: key to ensuring that this deficit financing leads to something. The question is will this budget lead to an election? A new Ipsos poll for Global News says 53 percent of Canadians don't feel it's necessary to go to the polls this year and those people may get their wish. The NDP has already said it will not trigger an election during the pandemic. Mike LeCouture, Global News, Ottawa.
0: But we are learning what Canadians' top election issues are in polling exclusively for Global News. Ipsos finds the pandemic is the most pressing issue for Canadians in the next federal election, with 38% saying it's their highest priority. That's followed by health care and the economy at 32 and 26% respectively. Those polled said the Liberals are the best party to lead on both the pandemic and health care, beating the Conservatives and the NDP by about 20 points on each issue. But when it comes to the economy, the Conservatives are the top choice, leading the Liberals by seven points. Up next, Barry has sports and the Canucks' first game following a COVID outbreak. Plus, how bureaucracy is preventing a high school gym from being named after an iconic coach who died recently. And later, the heartwarming and heartbreaking story of a couple separated by the pandemic, now reunited. Stay with us.
5: This summer, take a stroll through the Burnaby Village Museum. Enjoy a self-guided fun and educational adventure through the 1920s village with the summer scavenger hunt and explore the Across Pacific exhibit to learn about Chinese Canadian history. Advanced reservations are required.
9: Don't miss this year's Virtual Canuck Country Rocks, a concert event hosted by the Vancouver Canucks Alumni Foundation, featuring Canadian music performers, a round table chat with former Canucks, and guest celebrities to
5: raise funds for mental health initiatives. For RBC, I'm Michael Newman.
7: If you wanna know, it's on love. If
6: you wanna show, it's on love. If you wanna go, it's on now. the Global BC Community Hub. Navigate your now.
0: The touching reunion between a husband and wife separated by the pandemic, the story that might make you cry right after sports. And Barry is here with some very exciting news.
5: Tears of joy in yes. the sports <laughs> for a Canuck fans, certainly. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Colleen. It has been 25 long days since the Canucks last played a game. Pretty much the entire team and coaching staff have endured an energy-draining bout with COVID and at this point are probably sick and tired talking about it. They just want to play some hockey. And they got that chance this afternoon as the Canucks resume their NHL schedule against the Leafs at Rogers Arena. Canucks taking to the ice down five regulars. Demko, Mott, and Ulevi not well enough to play yet. Schmidt and Bertanen just getting off the COVID list. Still need time to be game ready. Canucks wanted a good start. Didn't happen. Four minutes in, William Nylander, ironically, off just off the Leafs' COVID list, snaps it past Braden Holtby. It's one nothing Toronto and Nylander's 100th. least power play on a 1-for-42 drought. This is the kind of luck you have when you're struggling. Jason Spetz, a wide open net, hits the post. Second period, Bo Horvat in alone on Jack Campbell, but rifles it wide. A little bit of rust on these Canucks, but they would play better as the game went on. Alex Edler, the dangerous hit on Zach Hyman, who had to leave the game. Edler left the game, too, because it's a major for kneeing and he gets a game misconduct. Now, the least power play has been the worst in the league the last month, and Braden Holtby with a larcenous save off Alex Galchenyuk. Holtby did all he could to keep the Canucks in the game. 25 saves in the first two periods. Canucks were seconds away from killing off that major when Austin Matthews shows his skill. Look at that. Chips it over Holtby's shoulder. His league-leading 33rd, it's 2-0, but a key play. Just a few minutes later, Canucks get it back. Nils Hoaglander springs captain Bo Horvat down the left side. Rips it short side on Jack Campbell, 15th of the year, 2-1 after 2. Third period, more solid work by Holpe. Fantastic poke check on Wayne Simmons to keep it 2-1. And moments after that, Jalen Chatfield, who is in the lineup because Schmidt and Ulevi are out. Great heads-up play. Look at that pass to find Nils Hoaglander on the doorstep, and it's 2-2. It looked like overtime, just a few seconds to go, Austin Matthews, is that in? Well, it goes post crossbar and out some puck luck. It could have been devastating had that gone in, but the Canucks Needed it 2-2 we go to OT and in overtime it's Captain Bow to the rescue a Hollywood ending right here in Vancouver after what they've gone through to get that 3-2 win gutsy effort they'll play again Tuesday at home versus the Leafs and we'll have post-game tonight at 11 also today Caps and Bruins Boston starting to put some wins together after a bit of a slump tied 3-3 in the second David Krejci little pull and drag rips it home gives the Bruins a 4-3 lead Boston's perfection line of Bergeron, Pasternak and Marchand combined for four goals and six assists. Bergeron scores here as the Bruins win their fourth straight. 6 3. NBA tonight. Raptors in Oklahoma City. A couple of Montreal natives going head-to-head. Chris Boucher for the Raps. Lugans Dort for the Thunder. First quarter, an amazing duel between these two. Dort was 7-7 for from the field in the quarter. 5-5 for from three. He had 21 points as OKC led 31-28 after one. Boucher had 17 in the first and then hit the halftime buzzer beater. He had 20 at the half. 59-52 Thunder. Fourth quarter, tight ball game, but it's Chris Boucher Boucher coming up large, first of all, with the bucket underneath off the feed from Utah Watanabe. Wraps by five and then late. Gary Trent Jr. kicks it out to Boucher, who hits his sixth three-pointer of the game. He had 31 points. Raptors win 112-106, all without Lowry, Van Vliet, Siakam, and Ananobi out of the lineup. It's their third straight win. Toronto's so other sports to team, the Blue, the Blue Jays and Royals, wrapping up their four-game the series in KC. K-C. KC. It was a pitcher's duel until the seventh. Salvador Perez lights up Jays reliever TJ Zoik for a two-run homer. Jays had just two hits the entire game, lose it 2-0. Toronto now 7-9 on the season. And a reminder, the White Caps. Open their regular season tonight versus Portland. And their new radio home is AM 730. You can catch the game tonight starting at 7 o'clock. Corey Basso, Ian Miller with the call. FA Cup semifinals, Jamie Vardy and Leicester City taking on Southampton. Scoreless until the second half. It's Vardy using his speed down the left side. Finds Kelechi Iannaccio who succeeds on the second try. Only goal of the match. Leicester City win at 1-0. They will meet Chelsea in the FA Cup final on May 15th. Premier League, Manchester United hosting Burnley. United looking to close the gap on first place Man City. Mason Greenwood on the setup from Marcus Rashford will hammer it in. It's 1-0 and then Greenwood again in the 84th taking a Burnley deflection there as United win 3-1. They're just eight points back of Man City but with just six games to go in the Premier League season. Final round of the RBC Heritage from Hilton Head, South Carolina. Canadian Corey Connors in contention yet again will drain the long birdie here at the 12th. Connors finished tied for fourth. It's his seventh top ten already this year. He won 298000 He's won over $3 million in earnings already this year. But the story all week, 47-year-old Stuart Sink led wire to wire a no-stress Sunday for Sink, who had a five-shot lead when the day began and finished with a five-shot lead. And this resurgence for him has come with 24-year-old son Reagan as his caddy. His entire family enjoying the win. His third win at Town is second this year on the PGA Tour. His first two wins at Town in 2000 and 2004. Special moment for the Sink family today. Second race of the F1 season from Italy, the Emilia-Romagna Grand Prix. Lewis Hamilton starting on the pole, but on the opening lap, Red Bull's Max Verstappen dueling Hamilton, and Verstappen will squeeze out Hamilton to take the lead. The track was wet all day. Numerous crashes. Valtteri Bottas and George Russell collide. Debris everywhere. The race was red flagged but no injuries. But nobody could catch up with Max Verstappen. Today he wins in Italy. Beats second place Lewis Hamilton by a staggering 22 seconds to get the win. Canada's Lance Stroll got some points as he placed 7th. Well, after iconic high school basketball coach Rich Goulet passed away late last month, a group of his former players thought it would only be right to pay tribute to the man by renaming the Pitt Meadows Secondary Gymnasium in his honor. But what they thought would be an easy layup has turned into a personal foul thanks to a rigid school board policy.
9: Don't, don't go in to help. Don't go leave him.
5: Rich Goulet reached thousands of kids as a career high school basketball coach, and they heard his message loud and clear.
9: Evan! You stopped playing the guy and he went around you! If you're going to double-team, help him out!
5: Not many have a resume that spans half a century in the public school system, the last 39 at Pitt Meadows Secondary. Goulet passed away just a couple of weeks ago, but all of those kids want his legacy to live on by naming the Pitt Meadows Gymnasium after him.
6: He used basketball as a kind of a metaphor and a vehicle to evoke change and impact a lot of young lives. So that to me is the thing that really sticks out in my memory, just you know, the importance of doing things the right way, even if nobody else knew except yourself. I know a lot of alumni have talked about that, you know, how basketball, they were never going to be
5: a basketball star. They were done after high school, but those lessons that they learned in those tough, hard practices and those games carried over for them to be successful in life. And ultimately, that's what we all want to do as coaches. You'd think getting the gym renamed would be a slam dunk, but the school district has stuff blocked all attempts by Goulet's former players and colleagues. School District 42 rejected numerous requests by Global for an on-camera interview but said in a statement it's their policy not to rename buildings because there are just too many deserving candidates. You can always find a way you know, to recognize somebody and they have the power to do that. They can make a policy as a one-time exception to do it so I, I wish they wouldn't hide behind it and I wish they would get behind uh, the community on this. Rich Goulet had incredible success. He won five provincial senior boys titles. He coached provincial teams. He won national volunteer awards. But his gruff exterior wasn't embraced by all. And he butted heads with school administration often. And his supporters feel that's why he's not getting his due.
3: Really, he was just teaching you what life's really like. Like, the real world is tough and there's challenges you got to face and adversity you have to face, and you just got to push through and persevere.
5: And on cue, Goulet's players aren't giving up this fight. They've started an online petition. They've had dozens of former players come forward with tributes and support. Now, they just need the school district to play ball. It would make sense, and it would be a really, I think, important honour that he deserves. I mean, it should have been done a long time ago, but uh, I think the community needs to recognize and I think most of them do that it would be the right thing to do.
6: What you don't want to have happen is in five, ten years someone forget who was Rich Goulet and uh, to have his name on that gym it just reinforces and uh, really cements his legacy in my opinion and it's the very least that we could do for all that he's done for for not only the community but basketball.
5: And you can see how much it means to the former players. The school board says its policies are next up for review in the 2022-23 school year. The Pitt Meadows basketball alumni says it will continue to fight for the honour of their late coach. The link for the petition they've launched is on our website, globalnews.ca. bc Colleen?
0: Thanks for that. Great story, Barry. Up next, a love story captured on camera. When we come back, stay with us. This pandemic has been hard on most of us, and I think we can all agree that seniors in care have paid a disproportionate price. But tonight, a bittersweet moment for a couple in the UK who'd been kept apart. Staff at a long-term care home captured the emotional moment when Mary and George Davis were finally able to embrace again. The 89-year-olds had been separated after George fell ill. But when a room became available at his care home in Mansfield, they were finally brought back together. Staff at the home surprised Mary with that news. Mary said it was wonderful finally seeing him. I cried buckets. Since Monday, care home residents in England have been allowed two regular visitors indoors as part of an easing of COVID restrictions.
5: To jerker ending here, huh? Yeah. Tear jerker <laughs> yeah. ending.
0: That goes out to my dad and everybody else who's in care. Thanks for joining us tonight. Jordan's here at 11. Have a good night.